to BaseballDesk.com, the business of baseball simplified and your source for all things professional baseball and not just surviving it, but succeeding in the professional sports industry. I'm your host, Alex Einhorn. Let's get to it. Somebody give me one more because I just ran out. I don't go to the clubs and I don't stand out. Off to the wall in the basement. All right. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Baseball Desk Podcast, episode number eight. Alex here alongside my partner, Doug. What's going on, Doug? Not much, Alex. In the grind of the minor league season. We're here, though. We're podcasting it up, number ocho. Yeah, so it's episode number eight. It is officially August, so uh, we're almost past the dog days of summer, and now we are just, we're just grinding. We are grinding. We hit the rain, killed us double headers yeah. you name it we've been through it just just like everybody else who's in minor league baseball i'm sure at least in the in the northeast yeah so we got a great episode set up for today before we talk about our guests for today's show uh big announcement doug baseball desk podcast now on itunes so uh if you're sick of listening to us on soundcloud now you can listen to us on itunes and if you're listening to us on itunes because you didn't know that we were on soundcloud Hello. And thanks Hello. for Hi. thanks for coming. Yeah. Thanks for yeah. stopping by. We hope you're not sick of listening to us at all. <laughs> but if you are, and anywhere you're listening, we appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, we're breaking one of our rules today, Doug. We are. Um, this this podcast is about baseball professionals today on the business side, right? Sure. Today we have a player on the show, one of our own Lancaster Barnstormers, Scott Schumann, relief pitcher. Doug, talk to us a little bit about our guest today. Sure, Alex. Yeah, Scott uh, was drafted actually twice drafted by the brewers yeah he elected to go to college sure um, went to auburn university then was drafted by the tampa bay devil rays yeah <laughs> tampa bay rays actually um in the 2006 draft and then he spent some time in their organization as well as the giants a few other teams um he's been playing in the atlantic league and other independent leagues mexico the last yep. few years he's landed in lancaster with us yep been an all-star consecutive season so a guy who's been around minor league baseball independent baseball a lot a guy who understands what goes on in, in the grind of the season. So we're excited to talk to him about his playing side, but also the business side, because that's that's a perspective we haven't had quite yet. Right. So if you know the podcast well, um, you know what we're all about. If you don't know the podcast well, Baseball Desk is about the business of baseball, uh, people working in the front offices that are not player operations. We're talking marketing, Doug. We're talking sales. We're talking broadcasting. We're talking everything except talking tickets, talking everything except what actually happens on the field. How do you get people in the stands? How do you sell sponsorship, sports management degrees, our opinions on all that stuff. So it's weird that we have a player on right. because, you know, for lack of better words, we don't really care about players for the sake of the podcast. Right. Right. We're all about the business side. So we are going to let Scott, when he jumps in on the show here in a few minutes, we're going to let him talk about his baseball career and how he's gotten to where he is now and found himself with us, the Barnstormers. But after that, we're going to throw away the baseball questions. We're going to kind of grill him a little bit you know about the business side and what he has seen of the business side in the front offices the marketing departments and the promotions and all the crazy stuff he's seen and the minor league baseball lifestyle everything he's seen that pertains to the business side and the marketing and fans and different markets that have minor league teams and like i don't care that he throws 95 miles an hour right because that's not what the podcast is about we're gonna really dig in and see what his you know perspective is of the business side and for those who don't know a lot of the times you know we talk to our guests a little bit before they're on the air about what we're going to ask them so they can be prepared and give us the best answers possible for, for our listeners for you guys but today 
we're going to grill him. We're going to grill Scott Schumann yep. about the marketing side of baseball without him knowing what's coming at him. Because we don't want to give him too much time to think about it. We want to know the craziest promotions he's ever seen, a little bit about the business side of, of the baseball lifestyle, traveling, 12-hour bus rides, all that fun stuff. Right. Uh, not fun for him. <laughs> and uh, talk to him about the business side, right? Right, exactly. And I, I, think, it's, I think it's cool because what better person to ask than somebody who made it their life. Like right. we, we make it our life as the front office personnel. We're here hours upon hours for half the year and then we're here working our regular job the other half of the year. Yeah. They are here every night just like we are. So they have a totally different perspective. This is gonna be a unique perspective. I'm interested to see what their perspective is because what a lot of the common misconception, I wanna to talk to him about this too, is people think that we know what the players are doing, the players right. know what we're doing. And, right. and sometimes it's true, but a lot of times it's not. It's not. So I'm excited yeah. to see what Scott's perspective of the front office is because they see it every night. Right. Do they really pay attention to it or not. I'm not sure. We're going to find out. Yeah, I'm excited to know. Yeah. So we got Scott Schumann, uh, baseball player for the Lancaster Barnstormers, talked to him about the business side of baseball here on the Baseball Desk podcast in just a few minutes. Coming at you. All right, Doug, we're back on BaseballDesk.com podcast. We got our guest with us today, current Lancaster Barnstormer where we work, right? That's right. Relief pitcher. We got Scott Schumann with us. What's up, Scott? Oh, man. Happy to be here, guys. I'm excited. First uh, podcast interview. Yeah, and we know you are launching a podcast of your own, right? But we'll get to that. We'll get to that toward the end a little bit. We'll give you your plugs. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> but let's start. You know, kind of how we always start with our guests. Can you just talk about you know a little bit about your background, a little bit in high school, a little bit in college, and then you know we really want to focus on your professional career the most. Okay, so obviously you know I'm uh, with the Lancaster Barnstormers now. Uh, Started out high school, basketball, football, baseball, obviously, you know, did the whole three sport uh, situation. Um, from there, I went to uh, Auburn University, uh, was a pitcher on it, and see, three years of there, not very good success. Uh, had a great arm growing up. I mean, obviously, I still do, but. Uh, I just could never figure out how to be consistent as far as like throwing strikes. Right. And so luckily the 10 Bay Rays took me junior year in the 19th round. And I started my career in Princeton, West Virginia in the good old Appy League. And man, I tell you what guys, <laughs> talking about eye opener, I literally, I can remember my first day there and checking into the days in and this town probably three miles square or wide or whatever like just middle of nowhere i don't even think they had a dentist in town honestly. <laughs> <laughs> like so i remember calling my dad and thinking like did i make a terrible decision like right. what, i could be back in auburn getting ready for another season yeah. like you know college campus getting ready for football season instead it's mid-July and I'm in the mountains where half the people don't have teeth. Yeah. <laughs> but on that note, it ended up being one of the best seasons or summers, whatever you want to call it, of my professional career. Really kind of uplifted my uh, prospects status. Got me into the top uh, 30 after that year. And then uh, low A, I went to Bowling Green, had another great year, was a closer there. Really just I think that was when the turning point in my career was like, okay, this is year number two. He's throwing strikes. He's throwing mm -hmm. hard. I, I'm, I've met scouts that said we had you down as like a future setup guy in the big leagues after that year. 
2011 comes, I go to high A, Port Charlotte, Florida, Florida State League, and I kind of slowly start to do cash back on to what I did in college. One of those where I, I'm three up, three down, got the save, or I come out, I walk the first two batters, and all oh, hell breaks loose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seen it a thousand times. Yeah. Luckily, to end the season, though, I finished strong on a good note. I had a bunch of strikeouts. My velocity is obviously there. So the next year, I end up going to Montgomery, double A. Uh, Biscuits. The Biscuits, Biscuits baby. yeah. <laughs> you know what? Give them credit because they yeah. beat most people. We'll get to this. They beat most people to the punch of like, let's have a ridiculous name. So now cool. everybody's got like mm-hmm. a crazy name, like mm-hmm. the Pizza Rats. They they did it when it was like not cool. That's very true. And then the biscuits. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, <laughs> Dude, I. That was like like I couldn't believe that, you know. I lived in Auburn during the off season, so I was like, man, getting to Montgomery, that's like gonna be my big leagues because I'm right. like 23 years old. Yeah, I still got friends in college. How cool to be like be 20 minutes or 30 minutes away from those guys and they're going to come see me play and then I'm playing in Birmingham, Mobile. Yeah. Just people that, you know, uh, places that my family could travel to whenever because I'm from South Georgia. And I get to AA and I'll be honest with you, it literally just, I just hit a wall. Uh, the talent was kind of caught up to me. I, I literally didn't have a clue what I was doing. And so, in baseball, as a pitcher, when things are going bad, and I've learned this now, you, you technically need like keys to kind of check yourself. Like, okay, this is why this is happening. Yeah. You know, step take, take a step off the rubber, gather yourself. Hey, let's try to focus on this. But in 2012, and honestly before that, guys would come up and they won't even swing the bat the first three pitches. They just, they just knew, hey, this guy's probably not gonna throw a strike, so why right. would I even try to challenge right. him? Especially for a guy who's throwing mid to upper 90s, I'm probably not gonna catch up with it anyways. Right. So, you can go on my check my stats out. I think I ended up with like a 90 or a. Shit. <laughs> I had double amount of walks per innings, yeah. but I also had the amount double amount of strikeouts. And I said on my podcast for the introduction, I literally was the Eddie Newt Lelouch. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Bull Durham. Yeah. I literally was trying to breathe out of my eyelids. Yeah. All that stuff, and it just wasn't working. Right. <laughs> Fast forward to that off season. Somehow I get Rule Five um, to the San Francisco Giants, and for those of you who don't know what that is, it's basically a trade for cash. Right. And I go to the Giants, and they were very, I guess, patient with me. They knew I had this tremendous arm, and they were like, "Look, we're going to figure it out whether it takes us all year, but you're going to find a delivery that's going to suit you, and and it, it's going to happen." Right. And I was excited about it. Uh, you know, little did I know that every delivery they gave me wouldn't work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you can you can imagine my optimism. Yeah, for season. sure. I, I ended up going to Richmond, Virginia, uh, Eastern League. Richmond. Have you ever been to a game there? In Richmond, no. No, flying, flying squirrels. Flying yeah. squirrels. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tremendous place to play. Ten thousand people a game. Yeah. Usually. Oh yeah, they crush it. Yeah. Uh, the the general manager Parney. Yeah, Todd, Todd Parnell. Yeah, yeah. Man, yep. he is yeah. legend. We have him lined up, actually, to yeah. be a guest yeah. on the show. Legendary, yeah, legendary. Legendary. Great yeah. guy, super energetic. You can see why they usually are topping merchandise yeah. sales every Oh, day. yeah, it's crazy. 
So, same thing happened in 2013. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. They've tried everything. <laughs> uh, I end, end up with another 9 ERA. Right. Same thing. I have double amount of walks, double amount of strikeouts, then innings. It's like, here's 100 down the middle, I'm striking everybody out, and the next night, yeah. 100's off the backstop. Right. Like, and it's it's stressful, man. Like, I literally was like, what am I going to do with my life? Because I can't keep doing this. Right. So a buddy of mine calls me up, um, that I play with a, with a race, and he says, look, I got this guy, this pitching coach in Southern California, and he tells me, I told him about you, and he tells me I can fix him without a doubt. He said, get him to me. I won't charge him a dime. I'll put him up in a hotel. I'll give him two weeks with him. Just to figure it out. And I talked to my parents, and we just decided, what do I have to lose? Right, nothing. Uh, At this point, I'm (laughs) going to be 25 years old. If I have another bad year, my career is probably over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I go see him, feeling good. I'm starting to throw strikes. He shorts up my arm, swinging the back. I get rule five again that off season. Right, right around that time, I'm uh, finishing up my time with him. So I'm like, oh, he, he you know, he's t- talked to me. He's like, this is great. You get a new organization. They've never seen right. you throw like this. <clears throat> yeah. They probably won't even say anything if you just go there and throw strikes. I show up to the Blue Jay spring training. I'm filling the zone up. Throwing hard, everything's going great, and I call my pops. I'm like, Dad, this is this things are going great. I'm two weeks into camp, and nothing against the talent level of Blue Jays minor league system at that time, but it just wasn't up to where Tampa Bay's was right. and the Giants. You know, they're Tampa Bay. Basically, that's where all their money goes into. So I'm, I'm leaving after four years with the Rays of going to where all these prospects are yeah. right. to the Giants for one year where basically everybody on my team in 2013 is in the big league right now. Right. Yeah. So we were very talented. And then I go to the Blue Jays and I'm, like I said, nothing against the, yeah. the guys there, right. but they're just the amount, the quality, there, was, there wasn't as much quality quantity of quality players right if that makes sense yeah it does so if you're listening to this and you were in the blue jay system in 2013 no offense <laughs> no offense no offense <laughs> there were some good players but there were just more better players in other right organizations. yeah so I'm, i call my dad and said dad i really think if i can just continue down this path i'm gonna be in the big leagues yeah the coaches are talking to me the coordinators they said you look great and then i wake up one morning and my elbow's killing me. And I, I don't think anything of, oh, maybe it's because it's spring training, I'm still trying yeah. to arm in, in shape. I, I start taking Advil. I'm not telling the trainers or anything because I don't want them to know. Yeah. You know, that's how you get in trouble, or I shouldn't say trouble, but they, it's just not a good look if you're injured. Right. And I'm trying to make a team because in, in my right. mind, my last two years, I've had a 90 RA, so technically I'm not guaranteed to go to double A again. Right. And I tried to mask it for about two or three outings, and slowly each outing I went from 95, 96, touching seven in spring training, which is honestly very hard. And I, I, I've never thrown a hard in spring training. Usually I kind of build up. Right, yeah. To the next outing, I'm 92, 94. The next outing, 
um, 8890. Yeah. And after the 8890 outing, I tr- the head trainer came up to me and was like, okay, what's, what's yeah, wrong? Yeah, what's going on? What's wrong? I tell him I, my elbow's been, you know, barking for a little bit. He's like, okay, no big deal. Nothing to worry about. You, I passed all the UCL tests they do that, that would have shown my, you know, structure, yeah. structural damage. So we, we shut it down for a week. I come back, try to pick up baseball. By this time, spring training's almost over. There's like five days, maybe three or four days left. They're like, all right, well, we'll come out and play catch after a week off. I'm like, yeah, sounds good. My elbows feels better. I can still feel it, but I can tell it's it's better. I go out and throw two throws, and it's like, it may have felt better just standing around, but the excruciating pain of me not being on Advil or any pain reliever and just trying to play catch was like a knife in my elbow. Really? Oh, it was, I was like, I'm pretty sure my UCL's torn. Because I didn't, I, know, I didn't know any better. Like right. this, that, that had to be the only reason my elbow was hurting this bad. Right. Because it's never hurt this bad in my life. And spring training ends, I'm in the rehab group. About two days in, I tried it, I tried again, go out and throw with the trainer, two or three throws, I said, hey, man, we got to shut it down. I can't even get it to you without pain. He goes, are you sure you can't rehab for two more weeks and then go up to New Hampshire and be ready to go? And I looked at the guy. I said, you tell me. I can't even throw. I, I'm, I can't even lobby the ball right now. Right. He said, okay, I, I, that make, I understand. So I go in the locker room, get touched on the shoulder by our pitching coordinator who was still in town because – um, the seasons haven't started yet. Right. And he's still kind of hanging around for the younger guys that are coming in from Dominican and Venezuela sure. to get ready for their extended spring training. He says, hey, come. Charlie wants to see the um, farm director. I'm thinking, all right, cool. He just wants to find out how my throwing is, and we'll probably probably talk about a plan of just, hey, we're going to shut you down for a month or two. Right. I go in the office. He sits me down and goes, what – Every player, baseball player, will eventually hear. Yeah. We're going to have to let you go. So that was my first time getting released. I'm injured. I literally am clueless. Okay, what in the world is going on? It's I have no direction now. Right. And you felt like you kind of got blindsided a little bit? Yeah, I was blindsided. You know, I got rule five. So right. I, I felt wanted all yeah. through spring training. And all of a sudden, just because I'm injured, yeah. it's like, hey, right. we, yeah. don't, we don't even have a need for you. Right. And that was a very humbling mental, just, you're not that important. Right. There are plenty of guys who throw as hard as you. Yeah. And so 2000, I ended up getting, that's 2014, I ended up getting an MRI, and it shows that I have some inflammation in my elbow. They, they're, they're, I went through an exit physical, and their doctor's like, oh yeah, you have inflammation in your elbow. Probably a flexor tendon strain. Right. Okay, what do I do? He said, well, wherever you go for the off-season, or wherever you live, call us up and you know we'll hook you up. We'll pay for the physical therapy. So, actually it worked out pretty good. I live in Auburn, and they have a physical therapist that's not only sees athletes, but outpatients too. Okay. So I call her up, her name's Paula, sweet lady. Shout out to you, Paula. Yeah, shout out to you, Paula. <laughs> <laughs> Paula Merchant. 
she actually, you know, she she worked on Tim Hudson. Um, Jason Duffner comes in there yeah. and gets gets his whatever, you know, whatever. If he right. has something buggy. <clears throat> And I go, I call her up and say, hey, I need something done, or you know, I got a problem with my elbow. Yeah. She's like, Yeah, sure, come on, we'll set it up. I go, I go see her three times a week. This is the best part. Dr. Andrews, the legendary Dr. Yeah. Andrews, all comes them. to Auburn yeah. once or twice a month throughout the year oh, to okay. see to see all the injured athletes yeah. and just kind of look at their MRIs, X-rays. Yeah. And this is how good Auburn is, man. Literally treated me like I was still an athlete. Right. And they still do to this day. I mean, when I'm not playing ball, I, I, I go back in there and I train and yeah. I get to use all the facilities and it's like, it's all mine I, whenever I need it. Right. So he comes in and Paula hooks him up and says, hey, you, you don't mind looking at Scott Schumann, do you? He's former Tiger. And he said, oh, I'd love to. Just, just casual. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just, yeah. Yeah, sure. This guy that, yeah. you know, usually people pay $1,000 to get a Yeah, my God, yeah. He just says, yeah, sure. Pull it up on the computer. I'll take a look. Yeah. Pulls my MRI, MRI up. <laughs> yeah, your UCL looks fine. Great. I'm thinking to myself, okay, awesome. I don't yeah. need Tommy John surgery. Right. He goes, but your Fletcher tendon is definitely strained. I'm going to call it a grade two. That's three to four months at the minimum. And then after that, you're on, like, you just kind of scale it to how good you feel. Right. So that's in probably early May. In my mind, okay, the season's over. Which, right. whatever, at least I know I don't need you surgery. You know what's wrong. Yeah. Exactly. And it's, it just, I got some clarification there. Right. I ended up rehabbing, got my arm strength back, feel good. Now comes 2015. I'm calling everybody, hey, can I get a spring training invite? You want to come see me throw? I'm injured. And now that I look back on it, why would you give me an opportunity? Right. Two years of nine ERAs. Right. And then a year of of being out with an elbow problem. That, right. It's just like hybrid risk, no reward. Right. And nobody gives me a chance. Luckily, I hear about this independent ball stuff. Yeah. I have no clue about it. Yeah. I don't think most players don't know they, they have to play in They're it, like, right? oh man, if I ever get injured, I'm hanging it up. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, <laughs> I'm too good for independent yeah, ball. Right. Then this guy named Kevin Hooper, who used to be the coach for the Wichita Wingnuts, calls me. He says, hey, Scott, like, I'd love for you to come out. Um, we have a great facility, and the league's good. You know, it's independent ball. It doesn't pay us good, but it's an opportunity to get back in the game. Heck, yeah. At this point, I'm like, sure, let's go. I've decided I, I want to see where this new delivery takes me. Sure. So I go to Wichita, throw about two weeks into the season, her elbow again. And this time, it's more of like a muscle just strain, like, as I'm like showing you right here. Right. Yeah. Right. Are you guys yeah. watching? Yeah. Like, sure yeah. I'm showing you on my elbow right now right. where it's bothering me. But it felt different than the other one. Yeah. It didn't feel bad, but it, I knew that I'd kind of strained something. So I took about a week off and in, in the American Association, which yeah. is the league that I was in, you only have 22 players, which means yeah. that's seven, maybe eight relievers at most. So you got to imagine those guys were throwing basically every other day yeah if not every day yeah so you got a guy who's injured and i come back from being injured and i say look i'm coming off uh missing all of 2014 and then i just injured my elbow again right i want to take it slow and he says look we don't have the 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 right. um, the people to do it don't have the depth to take yeah, it slow the depth. right you're going to put more pressure on everybody else right 
He said, I'm going to release you, but I'm going to send you to a guy in the Atlantic League named Ricky Van Alsenberg, and they have 25-man roster, so you don't have to pitch as much. So he goes, Ricky's going to call you, and you guys can talk. I said, all right. I mean, I wanted to be in the – after I've learned about the Atlantic League, I realized I wanted to be in the Atlantic League anyways. Yeah. That's where all the former big leaguers go, yeah. and um, the level of play is obviously better. Yeah. So, this Cajun redneck <laughs> calls me up. Well, I get the phone. I I get this phone call and I see Louisiana zip code or area code. Right. I'm like, who in the world is this? Right. And this guy, he goes, Schumer. I said, yes, sir. Who's this? This is a uh, Ricky named Van Nassenberg. <laughs> I said, I'm the coach up here in uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut, for the Bluefish. And I can't do a Cajun accent. That's just my <laughs> extremely Southern accent I'm doing. <laughs> he goes, look, man, I'm up here in Connecticut with all these daggum Yankees. I need some more Southern boys on my team. <laughs> you willing to come up here? I said, yeah, let's do it. Sure. <laughs> Why not, buddy? <laughs> yeah. So I go up there, and he was cool with it. He said, look, I'm with, you just tell me when you're ready to go, and I'll, and I'll activate you, or we'll just pitch you when you're ready. So right. I literally pitched every two to three days. It was right. perfect. Through about 20 innings, maybe, yeah, 20, 25 innings, I'm not sure. Did phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenally well. Uh, I'm, you know, the new delivery, throwing strikes, velocities up, and I'm feeling good. Right. So I go into the off season, and this is where I realize baseball is, there are so many baseball players out there. Yeah. And if you're not a prospect, once you get past that point of like young prospect, you're just another guy. Yeah. Or just another chip. So I, I'm calling around these teams, hey, this is what I did in the Atlantic League. You know, how about a spring training invite, yada, yada, yada. And I just don't get any, nothing. Not, not even like, I'm sorry, man, like we don't have any room. Just, okay, well, that sucks. Yeah. So, 2015 or 2016 comes up. I'm like, all right, another season. I'm going back to Bridgeport. Let's get a full season on our belt. Who knows what can happen? I go to Bridgeport, have a great first half. You know, I didn't get picked up. It's okay. I'm, I'm pitching well. I'm yeah. feeling good about it. I end up getting traded to the Long Island Ducks, yeah. which is obviously in the, in the league. And pitch about 10 innings there, end up tearing my oblique to end the season. It happens. Sure. But nothing nothing serious. We only had like a month left. Right. Um, by this point, I ended up going, signing to go play winter ball. So this is new for me. I'm like, okay, this is my next step. This is where I, I can make some money and maybe show off my talent. Uh, winter ball in Venezuela and Latin America is like, that is their big league. Yeah. Huge. So, yeah. yeah. It's a tremendous opportunity. I go down there and I realize I'm not quite in shape as I was during the season. Because right. I missed like a month of my oblique, and then I started playing catch for two weeks, and then I, next thing you know, I'm in Venezuela pitching a game. You're like, yeah. So I'm throwing like 90, 91. I, I know my arm's not in shape. Right. And I don't want to – I feel kind of bad telling I wasn't quite ready, but I knew that I could compete. Right. And I held my own for like maybe two or three hours, but I kind of got hit around a little bit. After that. I mean – you know, there's big leaguers down there. Yeah. Triple like A guys. Yeah. And they're just smoking me, man. Yeah. So, 
get the X, they send me home after a month, enjoy the opportunity, come back. Again, no offers for spring training that offseason. Uh, and then Ross Peoples calls me and goes, would you like to come to Lancaster this season? And I I met Ross during the season before. Yeah. He's a South Georgia guy. Yeah. I'm thinking, why not? Let's mix it up. He seems like a nice guy. Come down here. We have a, a tremendous first and second half. Yeah, great year. Yeah. One game away from winning both halves. Yeah. I had a great year. Yeah. Ended up being an all-star. First ever professional all-star. Yeah. And I don't care if it's indie ball Doesn't or matter. whatever. Yeah. I was, right, yeah. I'm ecstatic. Like, I'm hearing guys, like, oh, I don't want to go. Screw that, man. This right. is a great opportunity. Like, I, I had a blast. It was yeah. in uh, Somerset. They did it. It was so yeah. first class the way they did things. It was tremendous. So, 2016 ends. No, I'm sorry. 2017. I end up going to Australia to play yeah. winter ball. And... It was basically a paid vacation. I had such a good time there. We only, <laughs> we only played on the weekends, so you yeah. can imagine Monday through Thursday, <laughs> your boy was yeah. surfing, yeah. Beach, just exploring, being touristy, yeah. trying not to fall in love everywhere I went. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the women are that beautiful. That's true, and whatever yeah. you've heard about the accent, it's 10 times better yeah. from being down there. <laughs> so my head coach, John Diebel, he actually is the one that got me down there. He said, come down. Look, I'm an international scout for the Dodgers. I can't promise you anything, but I can. I would love to come, you know, see you compete for our team, and who knows what can happen. Right. Well, I end up going to Australia. First couple outings, I'm trash. Really? I trash. <laughs> <laughs> I give up. And I, I can say maybe with an excuse, the fences are in a little bit, the ball yeah. is juiced. I mean, <laughs> people are hitting foul balls like – a hundred feet over the fence. So that's just a hitter's. Yeah, I mean it's ridiculous. Like, do they draw attendance? Yeah, it's How was it? you know it's kind of like a good college summer league okay. type yeah. of attendance. Yeah. Some places are better than the others, but the fans are passionate. The ones that are there. Yeah. Like, they're not just there to bring their families. Right. They treat it almost like soccer or rugby. Right. And so my first couple of howdies, I'm terrible, and I think <laughs> I like said. I just wasn't quite in shape because right. our season ended in September. I got there December 1st. Right. So I haven't really pitched yeah. that much. And then my velocity starts to come back, you know, back to mid to upper 90s. And I end up striking out. I think I ended up averaging two strikeouts an inning. Right. Was our closer. I had an end of the season good. And he reaches out to the Dodgers and said, look, you know, Schumann's figured it out. He's throwing strikes, throwing hard. Let's give him a chance. Yeah. So I ended up getting a spring training invite to the Dodgers, which was the, like, I felt like I made it. Right. I, like, I am back. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is my chance. I'm throwing right. And hard. you probably knew, like, you matured probably so much since the last time you were going down that road with affiliated, right? Yeah. I mean, you're older. I'm older, more experienced. I have uh, set delivery. Yeah. I know how to. You have been humbled. Very right? humble. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Compared to, yeah. I mean, if you had told me I'd be this excited about getting a spring training invite right. four years ago I'd have like hey, whatever yeah, yeah whatever you've already done right. it yeah been there done that got a t-shirt but yeah. now I'm like okay <laughs> all I have to do is just keep going and doing and maybe you know, obviously they like me you right. know I'm going to be 30 years old they wouldn't just sign me for no reason like all That's these true. thoughts are coming yeah. out of my head like yeah. maybe I could actually they want to see me right maybe send me a trip land who knows yeah who knows so I go to spring training and there are 107 pitchers in oh, camp. 
That's insane. Now, if you don't know anything about spring training, the normal team brings in about 70. Right. So day one, I'm thinking, this is not good. Yeah. But I said, screw it. Yeah, whatever. Just, these guys, just pitch. Yeah, these guys aren't me. Whatever. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to go out there and do my thing. Yeah, I have to. I have a couple good outings. And they're just, I mean, they're not they're not releasing anybody. I'm like, they're, they're, the time is coming. <laughs> so let's say the last week of camp, Monday comes, boom, 10, 15 yeah, guys. Yeah, I said you start releasing a bunch of guys at one yeah. time. 10, 15 guys get the eggs. And I didn't get released. Right. And then I pitched in a game, uh, in a squad game. And like I said, I had, I've had a pretty good spring. I wasn't quite as sharp as I was in Australia, but it's yeah. spring training. I had like yeah. a month off before, you know, going showing up to camp. So I was thinking to myself, oh, you're just kind of getting back into sure. it. Pitching with adrenaline is a lot different than throwing bullpens. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. And my last outing, I go up, not terrible. Walker guy gave up a hanging slider bomb. Get, get my inning roll, but I, I struck out two batters. So I was like, okay, not terrible. Right. Next day I show up in camp. I'm thinking, okay, this is the. If the I'm getting released today. Yeah. Nothing. They released like five or six guys. I'm like, all right, I'm good. I at least know I got maybe two more outings left. Right. I can prove, try to win a spot. Well. I show up to camp the next morning, and seven or eight big leaguer, big big league pitchers have been sent down, and I didn't even think about got adding guys to camp to the minor league side. Yeah. And after that, I'm like, okay, now they're gonna have to make some serious cuts. Yeah. And then that next day, they said, hey, we just don't have any room. Thanks for coming out. So pretty bummed after that. I went from thinking this could be my chance. This could be it. Yes. This is my opportunity to. Now am I really about to go back to the Atlantic League? Right. But after just kind of having some self-pity and feeling sorry for myself, yeah. Ross called me and said, hey, you know, we want you back. I know you're disappointed, but, you know, you still got a spot here. And I said, all right, well, you know, I'm not going to give up that easy. Right. So I come back here and, you know, just continue to do my thing. I'm Honestly, I feel a lot more experienced than I had the year before. And, I just feel like right now this is the best I've ever pitched in my entire life. Yeah. And I like I'm I keep telling that like I can't, I don't know if I can do better than this. Right. So I'm just trying to keep my head down and and finish the season strong and see where it takes me. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. So that's where we're at now. It's August of 2018. We're with Scott Schumann. We just heard you know kind of his journey from you know playing at Auburn all the way to you know back in the Atlantic League for third or fourth time, yeah. so third team, right? Yeah. Yeah. So now we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about, you know, what we focus on at Baseball Desk, and that is the business side of baseball and not so much, you know, what goes on between the lines. Mm-hmm. And it's our first time, you know, kind of seeing it from a player's perspective. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, Scott, I think it's funny. Even the first thing you said, you're like your first experience in the minor leagues is like eye opening. Like it's just it's crazy how. Every city is different, every place is different, every experience is different. But what's one thing about minor league baseball as a player that most people don't know? Because every city and every every team is different, but there's a lot of things that are true kind of across the board by minor league baseball that people probably don't even know you guys go through or things that you do in general. The one thing that I think is slowly starting to come out, especially with social media and just people 
be able to communicate yeah. all over the world and stuff is the quality of life yeah. Yeah. in a season. Yeah. And the, I mean, you want to talk about minimum wage, people complaining yeah. in certain states. Yep. I mean, you got grown men competing day in and day in, day out, training year round. Yeah. Only getting paid for five months out of the year. Yeah. And at some levels, the paycheck is like two hundred dollars every yeah. two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So, at twenty one years old, my first paycheck was like three hundred bucks, and I'm ecstatic. Right. Because right? I just left college, and this like I'm actually getting paid. This is great. Right. But in the scheme of things. I end up spending that money in a week on food. Yeah. Because the food at the field that we're feeding after games is absolute trash. Right. And you, you know, you're an athlete, so you kinda wanna eat healthy yeah. and not eat the Domino's pizza for the fourth night in a row. Right. Exactly. <laughs> or or save your money for the rent yeah. in the two bedroom apartment that eight players are sleeping in on, on blow up right. mattresses. Not to mention a lot of these guys, whether it's the Atlantic League, any independent or just minor league in general, a lot of these guys are married, mm-hmm. right? A lot of them had kids. So that money that is already not a lot of money, now it's even less because you're trying to send some to your wife, right, to your family. So, like, we talk a lot about the quality of life and the bus rides, too. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I never – and maybe this was because my dad coached high school, uh, high school baseball for a long time. Shout out to my dad, Bart Schumann, Hall of Fame coach in Georgia. Shout out. Um, I grew up on a bus. Right. Going to his games, hanging out at the ballpark, and I'm telling you, I have never. I don't sleep. Only time I sleep is when I get on the bus. Right. I, for some reason, I've just been blessed to pass out. Yeah. And that's just me. Yeah. But for the other 25 guys on the team, not so much. Yeah. You know, especially as we get older, you know, 24, 25, you don't feel as good the next day. No. After on a 12-hour bus ride. And you get, let's say you leave after, on a Tuesday, the game ends at 10, and you get a 14-hour bus ride yeah. to who knows where. Yeah. And you got to play that day. Yeah. And so, for the 24 to 27-year-old guys so grinding, that body's not going to yeah. feel as good as it used to. No. So, and that's where, you know, diet, uh, rest comes into play. Yeah. And people don't take that into account as far as the work that these professional athletes have to deal with. Yeah. Well, and you look at the Atlantic League, you know, the league that, that we're in here, we're getting a team in High Point, North Carolina next year. And I know for a fact that other than Sugarland in Texas, no one's flying there. So there may be some road trips for any team, whether it be for New Britain or for someone that's other team in the league. There may be an overnight trip where you're going from New Britain to High Point without stopping the way that the scheduling can be sometimes. And that's got to be 14 hours. I pray that... I'm not in this league yeah, this year. For your sake, <laughs> I hope you're not. Yeah. Um, but if I am, if, if for some reason I'm still here, then, you know, you just kind of deal with it. And like I said, this is independent ball, so this is – you're choosing to be here. Right. And you can say, well, you know, you're choosing that lifestyle. Well, no, that's – it. it is to a point, but, like, people choose to be – people choose to go to college. Right. And people choose to – go out and, and grind out in a big city and work their way up to the top. But they're not getting fed PB&Js right. after games. Right. And they're not taxing their bodies to the right. Well, you owe it to yourself to try and get as far as you can. Exactly. You're exactly. not going to, you know, you spent your whole, what, you spent 22 years up through college or whatever, you know, trying to get to, to be a major leaguer, right? That's mm-hmm. the goal. 
So why would you stop after two, three, four hiccups? You owe it to yourself and probably your family, right? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, for, for me personally, I, I told my dad after I got released in 2014, I was injured. If my, if my philosophy come, comes back, thankfully it did. Yeah. But I'm going to keep playing until it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and I've talked to my podcast host, mate, uh, John Anderson, who also throws pretty hard. Yeah. Power doesn't have an age. Right. You know, like just because I'm 30 years old, I'm, I personally believe that people don't care. You know, you've seen the movie The Rookie. That guy yeah. was like 40. Yeah. And he was throwing 96, 98. Yeah. And, you know, I think the Barnstormers just had an alumni get called to the big leagues. Yeah. Brandon Nan, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's 33 years old. Yeah. And he's left-handed throwing 92, 93. Yeah. Well, how old was uh, Bibbins Dirks when he finally got back 32, after he played for the Barnstormers? Yeah, thirty-two. And so I, I like, I, like I said, I owe it to myself to just I'm going to keep playing until yeah. I literally, as soon as I start throwing low nineties or below that, like I said, I'm thirty years old. Nobody's going to want a thirty-year-old throwing right. ninety, ninety-two. Right. Well, and that's the only way you can ensure that, like, for the rest of your life, you won't have any regrets. Exactly. Because if you walk away, you're you're never going to know. At least if you don't make it. At least you know that you gave hey, everything. Right. As long as I can, right. I gave right. it. My body literally gave out. Right. Plus, a lot of baseball, a lot of sports, not even just, you know what, a lot of life, right? When you're talking about positions moving up, whatever it is, whether it's working in the office or working, a lot of it's timing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, sometimes people get promoted, whether it be in baseball or in business, whether it's sports related or not, because someone else left or someone else got hurt. So sometimes you yeah. can be the you know, greatest pitcher in the world, and if a team doesn't have room for you, you may not get that spot. On the flip side, if the timing's right, timing's right. Yeah, I mean, you know, last year I had a great first half. I'm thinking to myself, I deserve to be picked up. Right. Just like if I was in double A and I yeah. had a great first half, I deserve to be, you know, called up in triple A. Yeah. Or maybe I'm other way around, players who are having good years in triple A, I deserve to be to the yeah. big leagues. Sometimes there's just not enough room, and sometimes right. the timing. timing's wrong. Timing is everything. It is. Yeah. So the lifestyle, definitely something people don't know about. You know, minor league baseball, right. or they, they know, but they, they don't know, know they the don't, extent. They don't, they don't, they don't know, know what the you extent. do. Maybe they don't care. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so that's something people don't know. Now, as you know, you've been playing in, in baseball in the minor leagues for a while. You've been in the Atlantic League, so you kind of you get a feel for what we do. Minor league baseball. You know, we talked about the Montgomery Biscuits. We talked about Richmond Flying Squirrels. Has this reputation for doing things unorthodox. You know, you sit in the bullpen every night and you watch us throw T-shirts. You watch us. You know, uh, people dressed up in pork costumes, jumping all over each other. So. You've been around and you've been to winter leagues and they do some crazy stuff, right? With the fans, uh, Australia, maybe they do. What are some of the, in your opinion, some of the best like promotions that you've seen? And then I want to hear like some of the worst ones that you've seen too. Ooh, best promotions. Okay. Uh, whew. Man, that's 10 years of watching <laughs> promotions. It's hard to pick. Yeah. Let's see. I really enjoy I love dogs, even though I don't even have one. Right. I just I just can't with my lifestyle. Yeah, but I love when they bring the uh, the dog that, or the dog. I'm not sure what they're called. When they, they throw the frisbee out. Yeah. The dog just runs and just catches yeah. it mid-flight, and I'm just like, that is the most impressive thing. Ever it never seen. gets old to the crowd either. The crowd I, goes crazy every time. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and they did that in Australia. Yeah. And I was like, dude, for some reason, I'm I just love this. I love watching this. I don't you, ever, you ever play for a team that had a dog as a bat boy? 2010. Yeah. 
was the first time I ever saw that they brought in a, a golden retriever. Yeah, it's usually golden retrievers. Yeah. yeah. They go get the bats. Yeah, there's, cool. there's one team that's known for it. I can't think yeah. of it off the top of my head. Yeah, they do that. I've seen the a man being shot out of a rocket. Yep. That was pretty epic. Yep. Uh, I saw this Michael Jackson uh, impersonator dancer. Like, he just danced to every one of his moves. Yeah. And that was awesome. That was good. I was like, man, this guy is so <laughs> athletic. Yeah. I've seen the little monkey ride the dog. Oh, yeah. Classic. Gather yep, the, yep, we used and, to have that. Yep. Yeah, and gather the sheep around yep. and bring it in. The worst? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> It doesn't even have to be like a promotion the team ran. It yeah. could just be like an in-between inning contest that you had to sit through 70 times and you were like, man, this sucks. Like, this is boring. Yeah. Dude, you know what? I'm a reliever, so I don't even pay attention True. that much yeah. unless there's like action going on. Right. But probably the worst are when there's no fans in the stands and they're treating it like there's 5,000 yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like... Who wants a free T-shirt? Right. And the and the people are standing there like, you know, you you you. Huh? Yeah. And there's literally like <laughs> two old people. Yeah. With their hands quietly yep. raised. They're in the uh, handicap seats yeah. in the back. Please. Right. Don't we have. We had we had a backup MC one year. I'm not gonna call him out. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he was actually really good, but I think his biggest downfall was exactly what you're talking about. And I don't think you were here, so you, you weren't talking about him. And. Uh, it was like a Tuesday night, you know, normal week, weekdays in minor league baseball. Our, our listeners know can be slow, you know, depending on what's going on. And he would ask the crowd, you know, what's going on? Like the top of his lungs, like, let me hear you scream. We have like 700 people in the ballpark. That always bothered me because I know it bothered the fans too. Like they almost felt like they were being mocked Yeah, because there wasn't people. And so like me, myself... And Doug, uh, before he was the box office manager, he would do some pregame stuff last year with, with me on the microphone. You got to tone it down a little bit. Like, don't get me wrong. Fridays, Saturdays, I try and go crazy if I can. Mm-hmm. A lot of the weekdays, I try and take off nowadays. It's August. I'm tired. Doing other stuff in the office. But I'm not going to shoot the T-shirts out of a gun. I'm not going to run around in the dugout like a crazy person on a Tuesday night. I'll just let my crew just you know throw them out. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something that I can... I can relate to that because that annoys me too. Yeah, it's like, all right, man, you're kind of <laughs> reaching a little bit. Yeah, you're much. reaching. Right, yeah. If I'm getting kind of annoyed, I right. can the right. fans. Like, read the room. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's all, yeah, it's reading the room. Totally. Read the room. Okay. So now, you know, we've talked about some stuff that we do, and, and you know, we're sitting here and we're talking to you on the podcast. Like, this is a good question. Alex knows you a little bit. You know, we're getting to know each other right now on the podcast. But in general, players and front office staff don't really have. A relationship, for the most part. Now, some some leagues they it's do, some leagues they don't. Yeah. So I'm curious to hear your experience, or or if you have a take on it. Like, what is your relationship to the front office in general? Because I think a lot of people who think, oh, you work for minor league baseball team, that's your cool. best friends, you, with your all best the players. friends, the players, you know them all like, personally. Well, not really. <laughs> but you really, you really don't. So I, I'm just curious as to what your what your take is on that on the front office and the, the player relationship. Okay. Yeah, uh, that is a good question. Thanks. I wrote it. I wrote that. <laughs> and we we co-wrote. We wrote co-wrote that. <laughs> So, I'm going to use Lancaster, for example. Sure. This is my second year. Yeah. And I believe my relationship with the front office was, if I walked by him in a hallway, it was like, kind of give you like a little head nod. Right. Like, yeah, what's up? And that's probably the only conversation I've had with anybody. And it's nothing personal, but 
Everybody's yeah. got a job to do, and you're right. I'm, 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 at, I'm at work. I'm here to yeah. per, perfect my craft, get better. Like I hang out with the guys in the locker room. You know, it's, it's just I guess now that you're asking question, it's kind of awkward that yeah. you you basically are coworkers. You are. And you're here, you just don't yeah. have the same relationship exactly. that you do with the guys. Maybe it's because you see the other guys yeah. butt naked every day in the, yeah. in the locker room. <laughs> right. Maybe that's it. You know, maybe that's the difference. <laughs> you just more comfortable hanging yeah. out with them. But from my second year. I, you know, being here, I can tell that, you know, I've I've gotten on you, Alex, yeah, yeah. And, and Ryan and Rachel yeah. and, and the Bob, the owner. Yep. Now I can honestly say, like, like when I see you guys walk by, it's like, hey, how's your day? Right. What's, What's going on? Yeah. yeah. And some some players still aren't at that level. Sure. I, you know, maybe it's just personality for me. Sure. But they're really. I'm trying to think back to other front office staffs I've been a part of. Yeah. I didn't see or hang out with any of them ever. Right. Right. And again, it depends on the team because it depends on the level, mm-hmm. depends on the affiliation, depends mm-hmm. on the team. There's a lot of teams that do, you know, more than, than we do, the Barnstormers, um, you know, going out in the community. We bring our mascot out a lot. There are some teams that bring, and obviously in the offseason you're not here. There's a lot of teams that during the summer, every Saturday morning, you know, five or six guys from the team every day is out at you know a fair or you know reading the kids at a school. So the teams that do that more, the players tend to have you know more active relationships with right. the GM because he might be the one going to career days and taking them with. So I think a lot of it boils down to what does what does the public relations department of of each team do? And we don't do a ton with the players, and that's I don't think that's anything against any of the players. I think a lot of that is we understand that in the Atlantic League everything's a one year contract, mm-hmm. right? So in affiliated ball, you might have some guys that are constant, and even when they're not there anymore, it's because they maybe moved up a level. So then they can still sell their jerseys in the team store, right? right? They can do right. bobbleheads. They can bring them back for a night, throw a first pitch, honor them, do all that, retire their number if they were good enough, if they broke records. In the Atlantic League, I think we we understand that, you know, we have guys, reoccurring guys, and we've had Blake Galen for parts of like the last five or six years. Ross Peoples was just a relief pit. He was a starter, and then he was a reliever. 2005 to 2008, I met him in 20. 12, you know, I was driving him to appearances and like 45 minute road trip, didn't say a word to each other. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and now he's the manager, of course, yeah. he won a championship. And, and I think we tend to stick to our, our constants, which is like the mascot. Because we could have 25, 28 different guys out there next year, but the mascot's still the same. Right. So why don't we just keep sending them on appearances? Well, I think it just goes back to. Like guys were here to get picked up, or right, yeah. Per, you got a job. Or, to or do. whether it's yeah. minor league baseball, guys were here to, to perform, go home, and recover, and just they don't want to think about anything else. You know, so I want to say it's like a college athlete. Right. If they had their way, they wouldn't go to class. Right. Right. Because sure. They're, they're constantly training. Sure. And playing games, and you know your mind's taxed. So when guys come to the field, again, this may just be only my perspective for, but from what I've seen it's usually nothing personal yeah guys just want to come to the field sure. get their work in take their you know their small paycheck sure and go home or do whatever and just enjoy, yeah. enjoy being away from hanging out with guys 24-7 for sure, for sure so it's like you play with 25 guys you see these guys every day right last thing you want to do is add a front office staff right into those people you see right because I'm sure you guys have, you know, you're, you're 
relationship isn't perfect every day. Right. Imagine throwing 30 other guys on that. Right. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, I personally think there probably should be a better relationship. Yeah. Because like you said, we're basically co-workers. You guys work your butts off. I'm, honestly, I'm going to brag on you right now because, you know, with the rain we've had yeah. and the energy you guys bring, literally every game. Right. And I, I, I talk to y'all during the All-Star. Yeah, break. yeah, yeah. Like, I've seen some guys or some organizations kind of just go through the motions. Sure. But literally every game, whether there's 20 or 5,000 people in the stands, you guys bring great energy. Yeah. And... I, you know, if I was a fan, I'd be excited to be here. Right. For now. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's going off topic a little bit. Like, that's our ultimate goal. And you talked about Todd Parnell. And on the podcast, we talk about Jesse Cole, owner of the Savannah Bananas, which is a collegiate league. Mm-hmm. But they do all their promotions like like a minor, like a professional team would. Um, you know, Bill Veck. Some of these guys who, they understand baseball is what people come for. Right? So we want people to come for the baseball and stay for the promotions. But sometimes maybe we want people to come for the promotions, stay for the baseball. Mm-hmm. I come for a $2 beer. And then you realize, oh, this is a pretty good game. Right. Stay for the game. So, so we go back and forth and you know, we ask that question about your relationship with the front office because we want it to lead to whether players know this or not. I'm sure some do. I'm sure some don't. You know, we have a couple people who work here. So we have a big front office for a minor league team. We have about 30 full-time employees. Yeah. When you talk about the owners that so, are here. Yeah, I didn't even know that. You didn't even know that, I, right? Yeah. So it's the same size as the team almost, right? Yeah. Bigger, really. Some of our sales reps just, and we talk about sales, it's pretty much all we talk about is sales. Because if we're talking about promotions on the show, people pay for those promotions, right? I'm not just shooting t-shirts for no reason. Yeah, it's fun, yeah, it entertains the fans, but every every t-shirt that we throw, Scott, has a logo on the back of a company who paid for it. So we're indirectly on this podcast and on our right. blog, we talk about sales 24 seven. Right. As much as we don't consider ourselves like salespeople, that you think of like car salesmen, right? Insurance salesmen, we don't consider ourselves that, but that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to get the community involved in the local partnerships. And so a lot of our sales reps and people who work here, it's a good job for them because they're good at sales, which is fine, right? Come get paid, make commission, whatever. But for people like myself and Doug and you know, others who work in the office that are maybe younger, or maybe they're older and they just got into baseball late. This is the minor leagues for us too. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, we want to make it to the major leagues. Right. Or maybe we don't. Maybe we want to stay in the minors, but we want to be a GM, a vice president. Maybe we want to own a minor league team one day and we're making some money. You know, the team's doing well because we're, we're using everything we learned here and then we buy another minor league team. So we have two. So. For some of us, it's the minor leagues for us too. Yeah. You know? It's very true. I mean, that makes sense. It's just, you know, your job is for, like you said, you just explained basically your job progression. Right. Yeah. And you're focused on that 24 7. So to go out of your way right. and like create relationships with the right. players would be adding extra to an yeah. already 12 hour, yeah. full hour job, yeah. 12 hour job yeah. probably. And on the flip side of that though, if you can make connections, like, you got to make them, whether it's with, I mean, Baseball Desk alone has made us so many, and that's not part of our job here, has made us so many connections with other, you know, people who work professionals in sports. We don't know. Maybe that'll help us one day, right? But that can work both ways, too. So yeah. it never hurts, yeah. but it's we all wear so many hats that it's really, really hard to take on more things without letting things go. And sometimes we can't let things go. Right. So yeah, I think exactly. that's, that's kind of where that divide happens. Everyone's got a job to do. Right. You know, as a 21 to 25 year old, I, I didn't think about that. Right. No. Why would you? I would fo- I f- right. clearly focus on big leagues, big leagues, big leagues. Yeah. 
But now it's just like, hey, you know, I may have a connection later on in life to the people I've met. And yeah, like, you don't know. You know, because I don't want to be just friends with guys who play baseball. Right. Like, because that's all I'm going to know. Sure. You know? Yeah. And I've, like I said, I've come to uh, know you guys, a lot of the front yeah, office yeah. people. And who knows where that takes us? Right, you, know? you don't know. Right. Who knows? A couple years down the road, we, we, we may meet up again somewhere. We, honestly, right. we've had players work full time in the front office. Because when they were done playing here, they realized, like, yeah, the baseball thing's cool. I want to try something else. So if I work in the front office and I do marketing and I do sales and stuff like that, I'm still working around baseball. So it's still something I'm familiar with. I'm not, like, in a totally new industry. Same industry, different side. I mean, you knew Pete Andrelzik, right? Yeah. Yeah, he worked full-time for us one year in the marketing department. Really? His cube was right next to mine before. I did not know yeah, that. He, we sat side by side, and uh, he was selling – I'm selling group tickets. Man, he he is the ultimate barnstormer. Yeah, and now he's a teacher. Yeah. Is that what he does? Yeah, he's actually finishing his degree now. Okay. But he's like, he was a long-term sub. But my point is, like, he went to school for education in the mm-hmm. first place. You know, he kind of, I guess, retired unofficially. I know he had some weird, he pitched like one game last year. But anyway, yeah. so <laughs> he worked in the front office full-time with us and was working with kids on the field and then you know selling and marketing to a lot of the local youth groups and stuff like that and that really he already knew he loved working with kids but it kind of confirmed it with him like really want to work with kids so then when he decided baseball wasn't kind of providing what he needed in his life anymore physically and even mentally right just not what he wanted anymore he knew the time was right to, to hang it up now he's on his way to become a teacher and he's got a lot of connections i know he's from lancaster but a lot of connections that he made, he made because he was working full-time in the office with us. Yeah. So having that relationship and then working full-time and then hopefully it's helping him accomplish some of his other dreams beside playing in the major leagues. Yeah. So you just never know. Yeah. And then our next question for you, I already know the answer, but we're gonna ask anyway. You gotta change one thing about minor league baseball. And it says off the field here. I'm just gonna say in general. What would you change? Well, I mean, obviously, the obviously money. the pay. The pay. Yeah. yeah. What about after that? Mm, I think this kind of goes the accommodations, right? The way the bus rides, and yeah. The crappy hotel rooms, you know, the the quality of food you're provided. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is, and some organizations may do things differently. Sure. But, you know. I know for a fact that Auburn University treats their athletes, they give them everything yep. they need possible right. to help them succeed. Sure. Now, do the Atlanta Braves do the same thing? Right. At their lower levels that they do at AAA? No. Right. Which doesn't make any sense, right? Because right. when you want your lower level players to be treated first class right. so they can develop. You want them to be in AAA and they exactly. want them to be in AAA. So, yeah. And I think teams are starting to slowly okay, Yeah. I need to invest more. Yeah. The, you know, I don't need my first round draft pick eating Domino's pizza for right. like a week. Think right. about it. You know, and how many I can't tell you how many first round players I have been to camp with or know who were out of baseball in three years. Right. One because they didn't take care of their body and they just had no discipline or somebody right. to guide them. Right, no guidance. Especially yeah. for the guy, the Latin American players, they come over here to America, and McDonald's is like a steakhouse. Right. You know, and they're just crushing that all the time. One, because they don't have any money. Right. But and they really don't have, you know, 
someone there all the time that's like, hey, you don't need to be eating that tonight. Here's here's what you're gonna eat. Yeah. And tomorrow morning, you know, we're, we're gonna do this in the gym. Yada, yeah. Yada yada. But that's I think if I could change one thing, it would be. Yeah. Major league teams need to invest in the lower levels, especially in affiliated ball, because you know the the, the parent club is they pay the players. You're on contract with them, right? Mm-hmm. Where and that's what that's I think the biggest difference on the business side of you know independent and affiliated. Mm-hmm. You guys get paid in independent ball from you know, Bob Zuckerman, right? Mm-hmm. You get paid by our owners. And that a lot of affiliated minor league teams are owned. Some of them are owned by the parent club. A lot of them are not. They're, they're locally owned, right? So the front office people, me and Doug, if this was affiliated, we get paid by the local ownership. But the players get paid by the Texas Rangers or, or whatever, right? Whereas in the independent leagues, the local ownership pays everybody. So you can look at it like October 1st is our fiscal year, right? Because it's mm-hmm. instead of January, the offseason starts. Before we sell one ticket, which is how we keep this place alive, right? Selling tickets. Right. Before we sell one ticket, we're in the hole because we know we need 25 or 28-man roster, right? Yeah. And we got to pay them. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's a big difference between independent ball is that there's a lot more finances that have to get picked up by the ownership, we're an affiliated ball. They can piggyback a little bit on the the affiliate, you know, the, the major league right. parent club, the billion dollar organization. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Yeah. I, I guess I just never really thought about where my paycheck came right. from. I just assumed they would just take the money right. from what they made and well, pay the players. And on that flip side, like there are affiliated teams who make money. Because they're owned by, they're not locally owned, they're owned by the Rangers or the Astros or just major league teams, and they're making money. They're not aggressively out there mm-hmm. selling tickets, selling sponsorships on the walls because they're in the green. So who cares? Yeah. Then on the flip side, there's affiliated teams that might be 20 miles from that team we just talked about. They're locally owned. So they got to sell tickets because mm-hmm. there's not a never ending stream of, of so cash flow. Why, why doesn't every organization, major league organization, own every minor league team? Well, so, and you would know more about this than us, you know, when you're talking about some of the lower level, um, like the A and the high A and stuff, Mm -hmm. not every team has one of those, or some teams have two A ball teams. Yeah, yeah. Right? So a lot of teams just don't, major league teams don't want to fund that, I guess. And, but if there's a local ownership group that made a lot of money in the market they're in, they think it's a, it's a business venture. Then they'll own, then they'll buy a team if they can get approval with, can't be so close to another affiliated team. I mean, it's a very complicated thing. Um, but there are teams that, you know, are, I mean, even like uh, there's AAA teams that have local ownership and they're not owned by the big league team. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess if you can save money yeah. from right, yeah. owning a, a team and right. somebody else do that, right. that, you know, just gives your players a place to develop and right. play. Then and the, the teams that are locally owned are going to push sales a lot harder because that's an independent business. They need to make money. Mm-hmm. If there's an affiliated team that's owned by a major league club and that, that – you know, affiliated single A team has uh, you know five full-time employees, and three of them are getting twenty grand a year, and the other two are getting hundred grand to run the place. And at the end of the year, they come out a hundred grand on top. Who cares? Yeah. yeah, they're not losing money, and they're developing young players. So I think that's the biggest thing between the major leagues and the minor leagues. Yeah, it's true. But really true. Well, Scott, you even talked about too. You know, working on or things that you would change as far as like 
you know, getting getting the players better nutrition or better accommodations, things like that. And, and maybe that's something that you could do in the future as far as working in the game, if that, that was something you're passionate about. But I'm curious, and Alex is curious to know too, if you could drop it right now and you could just start working for a minor league front office. For us. Minor or major, right now, today. What would be the what would be like the sales or the business side that you would be most intrigued by? Like something in marketing, sales, you gotta promotions. work in baseball, but you can't be a scout. Broadcasting, you can't be player development. You gotta yeah. flip. You gotta be us. Really, you gotta so be yeah. us. I, I think I want to be a general manager in in professional baseball when I get done playing. Okay, right. So can't use that. Right. Unless let me just say this though. So the GMs at the major league level, player development, right, mm-hmm. contracts agents we talk about this on the show all the time too i'm talking like because you know gms in the minor leagues affiliated ball they deal a little bit with the player contracts and things like that but for the most part independent first of all you know but even some of the like single a double a triple a the gms at these teams they're almost you could just rename them as marketing directors because think about it these major league teams i mean you know how many resources do they have in affiliated through the system? You know, pitching coordinators, scouts, you know, they have almost unlimited resources. If there's talent out there, whether they find it or not, that's a whole different story. Right. But they're gonna do their best to find what they think is the best talent for the organization, right? The GMs a lot of time, they're just trying to get people in the seats. So the GMs at AAA down a lot of the time, they're just trying to sell. The focus yeah. on you know? sales, yeah. Yeah, so I guess that's kind of Mike's job. Yeah. I guess I would do that. Yeah, you would I, do that. I, I like that because you're dealing with promotions and yeah. advertisement. I guess the whole shebang. Yeah, that, I mean, you're overseeing like the marketing. I department think I would want to do that. Yeah. yeah, that would be my go-to because I don't know if I could get on the dugout every night and get people pumped up by all yeah. the free t-shirts. Although I'll tell you what, I couldn't do it at first either. I only did it because I was an assistant as an intern, and we had to have a backup one day. And our backup did it, and it was like so stressful for me because we like we take that really seriously those on field promotions. Mm-hmm. So I have a clipboard, right? I'm following the background, the backup guy around, and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's messing this up, he's messing this up. And it only took five or six times of following the backup around, being stressed about him messing up, and our partners <laughs> being mad. I've never been a public speaker. Like I took really? speech in college, and it was terrible. Like I hated it. Wow. Yeah. So I, the only reason I did it was because I was so stressed about following this guy around that I was like. I'm just gonna do it, forget it. Like, I'm just gonna do this myself and see how it goes. And when I first started, I was terrible. Like, I was I was nervous, I got my face would get red, I would either take too long or I would be too short. Like, the promotion would end and like, music still playing, the guys are still warming up for like another minute. <laughs> like, they're like, you should've stayed up there longer. I'd throw five t-shirts in like 10 seconds. So I, I, you know, I didn't think so either. And obviously, you know, my ultimate goal is to be a GM in the minor leagues or you know I don't we don't even really know yeah we just kind of see where it takes us but I mean that's so let me ask you this eventually you're you're gonna stop playing right hopefully by choice right right what's your plan after that professionally professionally well you know at 30 years old you I'd be lying if I didn't think about that probably at least every other day yeah because you know if I'm one injury away from being done right because if I hurt my arm or something like I'm, I'm done right so, like I said, I, I really, I really want to be able to run my own team. So you're going straight to the sports industry. Yeah, if I you want to. I want to decide who's going where, who's trading who. Yeah. And I want to have influence on, you know, how we invest in our players, how we take care of them. Um, I don't know if that goes into the 
like I said, I don't really right. have any experience in that level, but sure. I just know that for some reason I like the feeling of being in control and guiding, you know, players to a certain level yeah. of, of, you know, ability that I, I, I like picture myself. Let um, me ask you this. We're rooting for you, obviously. I think that goes without. I think that goes without being. I think that goes without being said. Um, also, I like my major league tickets, like home dugout. So just keep that in your mind when you right. just leave them for me. Yeah, us. Uh, if you don't, if you don't get to the big leagues, do you think the experience of not getting there, right, would help you have influence over, you know, twenty-year-olds and kind of humble them and, and keep them down to earth? You know what I'm saying? I think it's already had an impact. Yeah. Because I have a little brother who's 20, sophomore at Georgia Southern, 20 years old. Okay. He's a pitcher. Okay. So I basically guide him on my experiences. Right. And I, I teach him, you know, about the bigger picture of professional baseball. Right. Like, he he's a pretty good pitcher. And he's... You know, I'm, I'm praying that he has a another good year and gets drafted and sure. starts his professional career. I mean, that's you know, that's every dad's dream, that's every big brother's dream. Of course. But I, I try to warn him. Look, you're not competing against, and I've talked to him since he was like seven years old. About yes. This. You're not competing against the people in at your college or in your division or your high school, your middle school, your neighborhood. You're not competing against them. You're competing against people all over the whole world. Right. Baseball yeah. is huge. Yeah. If you told me when I was 12 years old that, you know, hey, you don't, you, you don't need to stay out too late on Friday night and play video games and stay up till 3 in the morning playing NFL Blitz on N64. Great game. Continue. Tremendous game. <laughs> uh, but you need to go to sleep early because you need your rest to perform yeah, for, for your sure. team Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at 12 years old... Yeah. You don't think about that. Luckily, I have my, my dad who was pretty strict on me and didn't really let me do all that stuff. Sure. But I know the days that I did, I was allowed to stay up late. I didn't really feel as good as the next day. Right. But 12-year-olds in Dominican Republic... They don't have that. They wake up every day and they're like, I need to get to the big leagues. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Right. Because right. It's different. Yeah. They're not... Like, we, we live in America. It's the greatest country in the history of the world. Like, right. I... Don't make a lot of money here, but technically, I am I am rich right. worldwide. Right. You know, and so you go to these uh, countries and these players who grow up with don't really have a lot, and all they see is people that they've known from their neighborhood in the big leagues sure. and what they did. Right. Grinded it out. Right. Day in day out. That's I'm not all going, they have. I'm not going yeah. to school. I'm not going to go play recess. Right. My recess is. I'm picking up a stick. I'm right. picking up a ball. That's all they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if that was – I try to tell him, like, look, you can go take a couple of days off. You're in college. Right. Go tailgate. Do yeah. It, you know, enjoy yourself. Yeah. But just know in the back of your mind, every choice – It's going to affect you. It's, you know, somebody else is getting better. Right. Right. That's true. And it's not like a stress thing you want to put on them, but that's just the honest truth. Yeah. You know, he's in the Cape right now. He had a great season. Yep. And I'm, he's, you know, I'm trying to talk to him about his delivery. And he's like, well, I'm feeling, feeling pretty good. I'm like, dude, look. You know, because he's a 90-93 guy right now as a starter. Yeah. 90-93 guys don't start in the big leagues anymore. Right. Well, the game is changing all the time. So when I coach him, I'm talking to him about 
you need to set up this pitch for that pitch right. because you don't have Severino for the Yankees fastball. Right. right. Or Chris Sale or, right. or Daniel yeah. Price. You got to be a pitcher. You got to be a pitcher. You got yeah. paint and corners. Yeah. I told him, I said, look, if you threw 95 plus, man, I would tell you to sit yep. up the catcher down the middle and just yep. let it rip. Let it rip. Yep. But you don't. So you're basically telling him, okay, when you if you get drafted, you're going to show up spring training and there are going to be 50 Latin kids, if yep. not. You know, 20 Americans right. who throw actual gas. Throwing harder than you, yeah. So you better learn how to build your – yeah. whatever your strength is, you better make that strength better than yeah. their weakness. Yeah. So so your answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we let you go, we play a game uh, at the end of every podcast with all our guests called The Numbers Game. It's the only title we can come up for it. And lame. we ask you a question – the answer is always a number, right? Before you answer, me and Doug answer what we, we think your answer is going to be. We guess. Okay. And then we see who wins. I think all-time series, you might be a little ahead I think of I'm now. up in the all-time series because of our last interview. Yeah. Uh, all right. So it's always related to the person. So you've probably even gotten these questions before as a baseball player. And we get, there's a funny story behind this first one, but I'll tell you after. What's the most innings you've ever, as part of a team, the most innings that a game has ever gone? In your career, it's not. No, 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 I'm gonna say. I know last week. Well, say it if you think that's. Well, the I know last week. One. I already have a cheat sheet because I already know last week, or was it this week? It was. It was last week. Yeah, yeah. You guys, yeah. you guys played a game that was pretty long, but I don't know if that's the longest one. I'm gonna say it had to be at least 17 innings. All right, I'll just say 16 then. Are we excluding last week's game? No, that counts. That's the longest. How many, how many games? How many innings did we play that day? It was 16. <laughs> it was 16? Yeah, was that the longest game you've ever been a part of? Um, you said 17. That's crazy. I said 17 because I thought there had to be one more. There had to be one that. more. There had to be one more than that. It is, but there was a game in 2016. I'm not sure how. I know we went to extras. But I, I, I'm pretty sure every position player threw an inning, or at least threw oh a gosh. Well, That's it was Bridgeport insane. versus Somerset. You think it was more than 16 innings? No. No? I'm telling you, I, I've never been that bored and miserable. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to say it was probably close to that, but 16. 16 is the number. I, I mean, I should have just yeah. said it. I was giving him a benefit of the well, doubt. Well, and for those listening, that was game. supposed to be a seven-inning game. Yeah, because yeah. it was part of a double header, so it's yeah. even longer. <laughs> right. Yeah, first of a double yeah. header. And for those listening, yes, we did play the second game after that. Yeah, and you lost first game, right? Yeah, we At lost 16 first game. On the road. So it was like 23 innings. It's just a long couple days. It was tough to root for. Yeah, yeah. All right, next one. We talked about this earlier in the show. Longest bus trip in hours, not miles. What do you think, Doug? I'm going to say at least 15 hours. I'm going to go with 15 this time. I'm going to... See, I have no perception of this because... I, well, here's the thing, too. Here's yeah, the thing, too. You can as always... You, as, you, as you guys talk, I'm going to... You get a map question. You're a map question. Because here's the thing, too. I mean, now... And, and maybe maybe because these map questions might not be the case, but you could always have a situation where the bus breaks down. What well, trip I was going to say traffic takes longer. Did the you traffic. Did you say no, I said 15. You said 15 hours. I said 15. In my head, that's not long enough. Right. 
See, I lowballed on this one because I overshot mm-hmm. it last Yeah, time. just I'll say 17 hours. 17. So he's going to map quest the locations here. So I, I map quested it and I, I'm thinking. Because the longest trip in our league is, for reference, got to be New Britain. Right. To Probably Southern Maryland, which is like eight, eight. So with traffic, that could be like 10 or 11. So we're both banking on it not being in the Atlantic League then, right? True. Actually, we did bus to Sugarland one time. I'm just no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the longest bus ride I've ever been on I was from Bowling Green, Kentucky to Beloit, Minnesota. Okay. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> after a game. So how long did that take? <laughs> I think that it was... I actually just was that like I looked up hours? another I, I looked up Richmond to Portland, Maine, but oh oh Eastern League yeah so they that was only that? yeah that was only seven hours they don't plan to stop on the way that's only seven hours Virginia unless to I, Maine unless I tap, type that in wrong <laughs> let me let me double check I'm trying to think Virginia to Portland Portland Sea Dogs <sighs> that's gotta be a that's hefty far. trip yeah I'm not really good at estimating that especially Virginia where we are yeah I'm trying to yeah that's nine hours and yeah, nine. six minutes yeah so that's only ten hours with traffic I wanna, I'm gonna say we went high yeah I know for a fact I've done a 12 hour trip okay okay alright you're gonna win this one then so Still I'm gonna, I went higher I'm gonna say All right. 12 hours alright so we, we go prices right rules so I feel like that cancels out no cause you were uh, okay fine well whatever so next right. one wins not that we care <laughs> Uh, but this I question's always the same. You've seen the baseball desk logo. It's a hot dog, right? Have you seen the baseball desk logo? No. Okay. Well, it's a hot dog. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for embarrassing us. Actually, here. <laughs> oh, it's not my background anymore. You haven't seen the baseball desk logo. It's a hot dog with some mustard on it. Okay. And i tell you why we did that. A little backstory. We just wanted something different. That's the whole story. Because <laughs> here's the thing. Like, it's the business of baseball. But like, what would you make the logo if you were doing a, a blog about the business of baseball? A desk? Yeah. Something. And if we, and see, here's the thing. If, if it's too much baseball, we don't want to get lumped in with like baseball podcasts, yeah. baseball. We're not, we're not talking about baseball. Not really, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about the behind the scenes stuff. So we did a hot dog because we think it's uh, it, it, attention grabbing. So, we, so that's it. Anyway. Nothing okay. attention grabbing oh. about a guy in a polo. That's right. Cool. So anyway, do, hot dog. What about a guy... Holding a t-shirt cannon. We could, but like, if it's like a silhouette, know, what is no, that? So we just do the hot dog, right? That's good. We'll that's, get you a t-shirt, cool. and then you'll never forget that. Yeah. So, last question of the podcast is always most am- amount of hot dogs you've eaten in one sitting. Now, this question is obviously more relevant to people who work in baseball. Because it be sausage dogs, or it has to be hot dogs. I would say, for the sake of this, hot dogs. But, so the reason we ask this is because we eat ballpark food. I try not to, but I actually haven't eaten that much this year. But it's free for us. We eat it all the time. You know, we would talk a lot of play-by-play broadcasters who have to eat something quick in between innings, stuff like right. that. So it doesn't make as much sense for you, especially taking care of your body so you can perform at the highest level. But either way, most amount of hot dogs in one sitting. And I think the most on the show someone's ever said was like, we haven't had any eaters Six, on the show. It was yeah. like seven, maybe eight. What? Yeah. Seven hot dogs? Yeah. Are you saying that like it's a lot? Yeah, Okay. It's well, a lot. Well, but here's the thing. We're not talking about like, oh, I'm hungry. We eat seven hot dogs. 
people that work, you know, we have a lot of dog, dog nights, so we're constantly, you know, at these games on Tuesday nights. There's not a ton of people in the stands. Like, Doug, you want to have hot dog eating contest? We do it on camera. So, like, a lot of people that work in sports do that. So, like, I know me personally, we know his number's lower than seven. Oh, yeah, now I know. That was the tell. So, me personally, we've been doing this podcast for a couple months, and our highest was eight. So, just for, you know, whatever, last week we did it, and I tried to eat, I tried to eat 12 hot dogs in 10 minutes. And uh, God bless you. We, had, we had a double header, so that's gonna that plays a role. So I gave up. I was, uh, I'm sorry, I tried to eat ten in twelve minutes. Yeah, and I ate eight and a half, and I had two minutes left, and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore because there was two games between a double header, and I had to MC that second double header. So I was like, that next hot dog and a half, like, did you throw up? I didn't throw up. Did you? Dip in water as you eat. No, I just was normal. Just normal. Yeah. I don't know how you did that. But we had that one kid, you probably didn't see this, did hot dog eating contest on the concourse a couple weeks ago. On like a big a big Wednesday night, we had a lot of people. And we did a hot dog eating contest. And my biggest fear is someone choking on camera. Because like we really shouldn't be doing that, you know, mm-hmm. it's a liability. And the kid shoveled, it was only who can eat three the fastest. Because we only have 60 seconds. Right. So if no one finishes, who's got the least left? This kid shoveled all three in his mouth. We have it on camera. I'll, I'm going to post the link. I always say that. I'm going to post the video clip of the kid on this podcast page. And this kid starts choking on camera. I'm standing <laughs> next to him like this. I'm standing next to him with a microphone. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, what do I do? This kid's choking. Yeah. Like, do I send it to commercial? Do I just let this go? Like, I didn't know. That's never happened to me before. I mean, he shoveled him in, and I was like going. I was like, oh, my God. He just ate. I mean, he ate three hot dogs in 10 seconds. I'll show you the clip. And he starts, he starts choking. And on camera, on the video board, right, he gags himself and he throws up <laughs> all over the concourse, right? And, and then the guy next to him, like a 50-year-old dude, I had to give him the win because he ate like three-fourths of a hot dog because the other guy wasn't trying. I couldn't give him the win in good faith because he didn't have him down because right. he shoved him in his mouth and then he put his arms out and was looking at me. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I can't say that you won. You got to swallow the hot dogs. Mm-hmm. So he tries to swallow them. He starts choking. He, try, he tries to drink water. He starts choking. He gags himself, throws up. It was bring your dog to the ballpark night. Dog comes up, eats all his puke. Oh, man. So that, it was a whole big thing. Marley. That's minor league that's, baseball. Yeah, yeah that's Hot it. dog eating contest. Kid throws up. Dog eats that's it. That's it to yeah. a see. I was freaking out. That's awesome. All right, what do you think? Five. Well, you gonna I'm going to say three. Because you don't do you eat that many hot dogs? So, are we going to say, does it matter what's on the topping? Like, no, yeah. You chili cheese dog counts as a hot dog? That counts as one dog. I'll say, you said three before he goes. I'll just say four. I had... Uh, a little bit too much to drink after a football game. Oh, yeah, we didn't consider it like that. In the sure. fall. You eat a lot more. And I just crushed four chili cheese dogs. And it was the greatest. Four. Four, right on. Yes. Right on the money. Yeah. So you get the win on that. I did that at the All-Star game. Did you? Yeah, I've been so I've been on like a pretty strict diet all year. And uh, I got I drank a lot at the All-Star game. And uh, all I had out there for us was hot dogs and burgers. And like four burgers. Like five hot dogs. There's no better feeling. I know. Finishing that meal, you're just like, oh, yeah. I can't move. Yeah. I can't wait to pass out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I did throw up that night. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, nice. not because of the hot dogs. It's though. a win-win, though. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Hey, that's... So I won that one. You won. Four hot dogs. You won fair. Yeah, you won fair. Before we let you go, end of the episode, give us... Uh, just give us some final thoughts. Whatever you want to talk about. 
You can plug your podcast. I know you've been itching to do that. Now's your time. We got about 50 listeners. Okay. So if you can pick up, you know, 10% of them, it's pretty good. Uh, I would love it. Good start. Uh, man, I just, I'm glad you guys have on the show. This is my <laughs> second podcast, uh, I guess, production. Yeah. I know we started, my podcast is called the, the Players League Podcast. Uh, you can ask on Twitter. I'm going to upload our first podcast ever. I tried to share it on Facebook, by the way. you got to make your stuff shareable. Yeah. See, I'm not I'm – <laughs> I still don't know what I'm doing. I'm so new at this. Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to post it on Tuesday. It's, the first podcast is basically just an uh, introduction of who I am, my yeah. story, and John Anderson's story. Yeah. And what the show is going to be about. But – yeah, I had a blast, man. This is fun. Just kind of yeah, it's chill just talking. Yeah, That's the thing. Talking baseball, we're just hanging. Yeah, it's actually a lot better. As much as we can't, you know, it's better. To, we like doing the interviews in person because over the phone is like I'm holding my phone out. I'm recording on my phone. You can't like covered really you have close. To pro- trying to you have to like really process what they're saying before you answer because it's on the phone, and then it makes it a lot harder for me to edit because like I don't want to pick up my voice from the phone. I don't want to pick up their voice from this microphone. Yeah, but this like I might have this up tomorrow morning even though we normally do Mondays we haven't had a podcast in a while during the season so I might get this up tomorrow because Dude, I'll, I'll definitely yeah it's this is so easy to cut it or, I'm barely yeah. gonna cut this because it's, yeah. we're just here I don't have to worry about like on the phone us yeah it's good yeah I have realized after doing the first podcast there's a lot more that goes into it than just so talking much. Well, the right and it can be whatever you want it to be yeah you know what I mean but the editing is pretty difficult yeah. I'm not very skilled as far as no, computer. But you get stuff. at the end of the day, here's the thing. If you if the content is good mm-hmm. and the quality is okay, people will listen. Yeah. Right? You got the best content in the world, but if it sounds like someone's listening to your podcast, sounds like they're on speakerphone, they don't want to listen to that. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, you got the greatest quality in the world, right? It could sound like a song off iTunes. And if you're just saying dumb stuff, it's it's boring, it's not relevant, no one's gonna listen. Right. So you only have to be okay. Like the, the production value only has to be okay. It's a podcast, we're not making a movie, right? It just has to be okay. If you're bringing quality content to our podcast or to your podcast talking about you know the life of, of a professional baseball player, stuff people don't know, and, and it's it's there's a market for that, because there's a market for everything, mm-hmm. let's be honest. As long as your content is, is entertaining and good, you can find your, you know, you'll find an inside joke. People, your listeners will catch on to that. Yeah. And then you kind of roll with that like we did with the hot dog eating thing. Mm-hmm. That's all that like you really need. Right. Just content. Well, I, I think uh, if, as far as my podcast goes, if you guys like listen to these beautiful human beings, I think you're going to enjoy ours because it's basically <laughs> <laughs> two guys just talking about Imagine you're in the bullpen with the players. Right. And you're basically our conversation is gonna be what it would that, be like yeah. during the game. Which right. People yeah. wanna know that stuff. Yeah, there I mean, are we talk do. about everything from what happened that day, what you have for dinner last night, to religion, to politics, yeah. who just broke up with who. Yeah. Whatever you want, you know, basically it's just gossip. That's all right. it is. We don't pay attention to the game whatsoever. Nah. And then we're gonna <laughs> <laughs> no, trust, trust me, we're talking. <laughs> uh and then we're just, you know, we're going to have uh, guests on, yeah. like you do, and most of them are probably going to be former players or have a pretty cool story as far as yeah. like former big leaguers or yeah. whatever. But I want to get to the point where our podcast is, maybe I interview you. Yeah, we're down. You know, people, not just baseball players, right. but people in the just game. Just involved in it in yeah, some exactly. way. Yeah. Well, hey, if I could give you one piece of advice for having guests, obviously you want someone with a good story. 
Two, I'll give you two pieces of advice. All right. And, and take this with what already you already know you're going to do. I don't want to mess up your plan, but this might help contribute to that. Two, two pieces of advice. One, try and interview people that you don't already know. Right now, obviously, you have people lined up that you've played with or that you've worked with. That's great. Maybe try and scatter that in. You know, hit people up on LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter or email, whatever. Because if you interview people you don't know, a you get to know them, right? B you don't know what kind of following they have. Maybe they have a huge one. Mm-hmm. And that's my second point: is you want good content, you want to meet good people, but selfishly for you and your podcast, find people that have a big following. Yeah, you know, that don't. If you if you DM uh, Kim Kardashian, she's probably not gonna right. hit you back and be on the podcast. But if you can find former big leaguers who have you know ten thousand followers on Twitter, you get them to be on your show. What are they gonna do when it goes live? They're gonna share it. Yeah. And the people that listen because they love that player, they don't even know who you are, right? They might not, but they love that player. They're gonna listen. Like, oh, Scott, he's a uh, that's a pretty he's a funny guy. That's a good podcast. That's interesting stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna subscribe. I'm gonna listen. And now they listen no matter who your guest is. Yeah, like, you you gotta piggyback on people who have big followings. No I mean, we've been interviewing. Um, we interviewed uh, Eric Edelstein, yeah. who is the president of the Reno Aces. He's a pretty big deal. Yeah, he was a great interview. We interviewed Jesse Cole, yep. owner of Savannah Bananas. Yep, and he's like, and he wrote a book that's like selling thousands of copies. Wow, and he shared it for us. And I'm ho- I'd like to think. Obviously, we're still in the early stages yeah. too. I would like to think someone that follows him on LinkedIn or whatever, saw the podcast, listened because they wanted to hear him, thought me and Doug were not terrible, and then they listen every once in a while. Because that's how you really build the following, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping because the people that me and, and John have met through baseball, right. I mean, I got numerous buddies who are big league time or right. the people I met through Auburn. Right, and if they start sharing that stuff, yeah, who and you have a good, I mean, you got an advantage right away because the barnstormers will probably share yours. Well, that's all I need. Yeah, so we'll get that. <laughs> I mean, but you're, yeah, you're, you're fine. Yeah. You're good. All right. And that's pretty much it. Doug, you want to, uh, you want to close it out? Sure. What do you got for us? We want me to say something? Yeah, finish. Like, finish close the show. It out. No, it's been yeah. great. It's, I think it's been cool to talk to Scott, talk to a player. Yep. It's a different perspective. But uh, at the end of the day, it all comes back to baseball, which is cool. That's what it's all about. I mean, it's, it's bridging the gap. It's meeting people. It's talking to people about sports and, and then kind of all just yeah. a community of people together. Yeah. And it's, it's, there's different walks, there's different avenues, but it all comes back to baseball. Yeah. The first and last player we'll ever yeah. have on the podcast. Probably. That better be true. Hey, we're seven <laughs> we, We're seven podcasts in, Yeah. and our number one rule is we're not really going to talk to players. It's true. We broke our own rule. We broke our rule. Thank you. Yeah, you should, no, we, we, yeah, we should we feel honored. We'll get this up live. Yeah. Uh, don't forget, uh, baseballdesk.com, every Tuesday and Thursday, we got new That's blogs, right. newsletter, every Wednesday. Thanks for stopping by. See you next time. of baseballdesk.com the business of baseball simplified how to get in and how to get to the top we'll catch you next monday every monday for the podcast in the meantime go to the website baseballdesk.com read the blogs pretty cool stuff hit us up on social media facebook baseball desk linkedin alex einhorn and twitter at einhorn tweets we'll see you next time somebody give me one more because i just ran out i don't go to the clubs and i don't